And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Welcome back to Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Maddie. We appreciate your continued support. Please continue to like and share us. Our guest today represents Toronto, Ontario. He is Canada's basketball scout and founder of the Monday Morning Scouting Report. He puts in tons of hours evaluating our Canadian hoopers coast to coast. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Wes Brown. Wes, welcome to Canada Hoops, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Excited to get you on and just uh, talk about your journey in the game and, and what you're up to and uh, how are things, man? Let us know, you know, how you've kind of managed this past year and a half and how you've had to pivot and what you do and, uh, you know, in your job. Yeah, I mean, I think the hardest part for me was not being on the road, being able to do what I love and do what I do. Right. Like I'm so comfortable um, going to all the games and evaluating and building my database. And, you know, I feel this pressure that I put on myself as much as I probably feel from clients um, to consistently provide information and updates. And obviously during COVID, that was a little weird, but it's it's really nice to be back. I've been back probably for the last six months traveling. I mean, I was in the, in the U.S. all summer um, going to the AAU events uh, and now, you know, basketball is pretty much back here, right. uh, you know, going to high school games last week that started up again was nice to, to be able to, you know, try to go find those hidden gems, which is really the fun in the job for me. So, um, no, it's, it's been good. Um, I'm happy to be back, you know, after a little rough patch there, COVID and everything, hopefully we're, we're in the clear. We'll see in January, but, um, you know, it's good to have basketball back in Canada. Agreed. I think everyone's really enjoyed that and it's given us, you know, sort of an outlet and, uh, you know, something we've really missed. Um, you know, that time, did it allow you to focus a little bit more on your networking and uh, relationships in a sense? Like I know you weren't getting to see players that much, but, you know, clients and, you know, who you essentially gather reports for, did it allow you to kind of sit back a, a bit and just say, yeah, you know, reach out to people more and maintain more contact or? Yeah, well, the interesting thing about it was that um, since there was no basketball going on, these American coaches didn't have uh, any information on those guys, right? And they couldn't see them play. Right. And they're just here sitting around or going to runs that maybe I would go to here and there. Um, so that was kind of an advantage for me, to be honest. Um, so I think, you know, over time, even though it was COVID, you, you know, you continue to build your relationships. And a lot of it had just is happenstance you're in the gym with someone or they happen to call you or see a tweet or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think that was the one good part business wise was that, um, you know, there was no way to access any information on the players without having my service or, you know, um, getting in touch. So that was, you know, a positive out of all of it, I would say. Nice. Uh, if we can, let's go back a little bit, man, take us back to a, a young West, you know, how did the game come into your life? You know, what about the game took a hold of you and, you know, made you fall in love with it? First, 
was uh, I think Stefan Marbury. That was my hero when I was nice. a kid, like really young. You know, I mean, I was, I don't know, five to 10. And um, yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing, I think the first time I, I thought about, you know, hey, there's something more here was they would lose to the Spurs every year, the Suns. I was a huge Suns guy and they'd lose every year. And I started to think, you know, they're losing to this team. They don't seem to have less talent, right? They have better athletes. Yeah. Like Marion and Stoudemire and all, all these guys that ended up going through there, but they'd lose every year. So I started to kind of delve in further. Um, I always tell everyone, you know, uh, I knew I wanted to be a scout from a young age. I don't know what age that was, uh, maybe early teens. Um, but no, I, I knew what I wanted to do from a, from a pretty young age. I, I, I was a basketball nut. I wasn't the best player, but I really tried to understand it more and more as I went over the years. Um, and I knew that I had a, a gut instinct that other people couldn't really understand. Um, and I just had a belief in myself that I was different, um, to be honest. And um, I kind of you know, navigated through, I, I graduated law school and through some businesses and things like that. Right. You know, coached a little and just tried to find um, a way to persevere and and make it in the industry. And um, yeah, so you know, after 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 scouting for the G League for a G team in the G League and um, bouncing around a little, I kind of realized that there was a real niche here and nobody was really covering Canadian high school basketball that much. Um, and and I decided to take advantage of it, and it just it kind of built on itself as a result of you know perseverance and trying to find a way to to differentiate myself into what it is today really um you know other guests that i've had on i asked you know if they've played you know people that they look up to uh on the floor in terms of their game was there anybody that you could sort of mentor and really look up to and lean on you know in the scouting world like you start getting this niche, you know, you knew you were different. You could evaluate talent. Uh, is there somebody that, you know, you looked up to and really leaned on to help you, you know, with your craft in the, in the scout game? Yeah, a, a number of guys. I mean, look, when I started, I, I didn't know how to write a scouting report. I knew, you know, right. I remember when I was younger, when James Harden was getting drafted, I thought James Harden was going to be a star and everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, he did go third, but, you know, right. Um, and so I could articulate it, but I couldn't write it, write it down. Um, so, you know, the first guy to give me a shot was, was Jim Kelly, who was the Raptors uh, assistant GM or, you know, and the head of scouting, whatever his role was. Um, and probably six, seven years ago, um, you know, just going to events, he was the one guy who was willing to listen and sit down with me and talk. Um you know, and you, you pick up things over time, especially from the people that, that you become close with, um, certain terms, um, certain things to look for, you know, something like tight hips. It's not something that I would have been able to articulate or even recognize maybe from a young age, but now, you, you know, kind of tight hips stop guys from maybe elevating quickly or turning directions quickly, whatever it is. Um, you know, so, so, um, Jim was a was a big step, and having someone in the league that believed in me was huge. Um, and then, you know, through him, I kind of became very close with a lot of uh, the da- that Dallas front office at the time. Um, Donnie Nelson, Tony Ronzoni, Luca Desta, um, 
Matt Morales, um, two of those guys, Matt and uh, Matt's now the GM of the G League, uh, the Clippers G League team, Agua Caliente. He's the best evaluator. He's fantastic. Cool. Um, and uh, and Luca Desta, who's who's now uh, uh, I think the head of international scouting for Utah, who's like my big brother in the industry and treats me like like a younger brother. So nice. um, those guys have really been uh, have really been huge for me. That's cool. I know you did a bit of coaching with uh, the University of Toronto. Uh, you know, did that help your ability too? Like how intertwined? You know, you're you're live, you're coaching, and you're trying to help that team win. But how intertwined is that? coaching and scouting aspect in terms of talent evaluation and just, you know, really being honest with the player too. Yeah, it was interesting. It's a different angle to see, to see the game. Uh, I think more than anything, it showed me that that's not what I wanted to do. I mean, I think coaches just have a a voice, you know, and I'm not really that guy. I'm not a a shouter and I'm not, you know, I'm just, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't see myself as a coach. I always saw myself as a scout and an evaluator. Um, and uh, I, I love, I had a love for it. And the, the coaching side, honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really love it. Um, and, you know, if you're a coach, you're one of a billion. Right. I mean, and now scouts in Canada, how many am, am I? One of a few, right? Right. And, and um, so it was a much, better niche as well as just what I love just happened to be scouting. So I think just luck almost played a factor. Yeah. I like that. And then, you know, I made a note here. I thought it was kind of a good way to start with the scouting. Uh, you know, you started to scout and evaluate players, like in your opinion, you know, what sets you apart uh, compared to other people in the scout world, you know, and being able to evaluate guys, uh, you know, and, and, give a good report to a team and a client, like what makes you maybe that premier guy in the country? Yeah. I mean, I, I think me versus most other scouts anywhere. Um, right. I just look for winners versus, um, versus talent. And I've kind of honed what it is I look for specifically and can kind of recognize it very quickly, partly because I watch so much basketball. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of see it there. There's there's two positions, essentially. There's stars and there's role players. Right. right. Very basic. Um, and so the way I look at it really is, look, if you're a star, that's not the hardest thing to evaluate. But to be able to project a star, they probably have to have some level of um, elite or unique ball skills, shooting ability, shot creation ability you know, athleticism, whatever it is. Um, but for the role guys, I'm really, um, I'm really particular in what I'm looking for, uh, in that I need to feel comfortable that they're going to be able to produce no matter what opportunity they get at the next level. So what I mean by that is, you know, if a guy gets 30 minutes, he'll be fine. But if a guy's starting on the bench, which every freshman probably starts on the bench, you have to find a way to get more minutes. And look, Steph Curry has off games. So if you come in the game and you get that five-minute look, right, and you make a bunch of shots, great. But if they're bad shots, you're going to start missing. And it's always going to average out to the – or it's always going to balance out to the average, right? Whereas 
if you're a guy that knows how to play without the ball, if you're a guy that can not get touches on the offensive end and still play really hard on the defensive end consistently, if you're a guy that can go create your own buckets, whether that's attacking the O-boards or on a cut or just finding a way to make a play, um, those are the guys I kind of bet on because I know that they'll succeed anywhere they go versus someone that might need the ball or touches, whatever it is, to succeed. And it's much harder to see those guys succeeding in most circumstances. So very simply, that's kind of how I see it. Um, and, and you know, I'm just not willing to risk it on guys that I think don't understand their role, don't have the self-awareness of what a good shot is, don't like good shots within the offense, or don't play hard on the defensive end. Sure, you can teach these things, but I'm not the one that's going to bet that. Like a coach can go figure that out for themselves, right? And, and right. they can decide what, who they like as, as a talent or whatever. But I have, you know, what I call my West Brown players, which is guys that, that play hard on both ends and guys that, that make winning decisions and, and the guy that will start with five minutes but end up getting 30 with development because um, he's able to stay on the floor with his effort level, IQ, and motor. Yeah, I'm glad that you, uh, you mentioned the term self-awareness. I know that's something that you bring up a lot, you know, whenever I've seen it on your YouTube video or Twitter, um, you know, that, you know, that's key in a winning player and, you know, that really matters. And that, and that kind of speaks to you as a scout too, I think like, look, this guy's aware of what he does and what he contributes, uh, keeps you honest and, uh, you know, reliable as a scout too, right? If you're, if you're sort of projecting this talent and promoting this talent to your clients, right? You want to bet on a guy like that, like you said, and and teams want to invest in that player, right? So I thought that was great. Um, you know, with respect to your job, you know, and the level and depth of the talent in the country, do you feel like, you know, you yourself are on the on the scene at the perfect time? Like uh, just the amount of, of players that we have now? Yeah, just got lucky, like to yeah. be honest, right? But but part of that was was assessing like, hey, people want to know about Canadian players. Um, and if people wanted to know about college players or Intel or whatever, I might've gone a different route. Right. So mostly luck and a bit of assessing, you know, a, a need and in, in a niche in the market. But yeah, I mean, obviously hit it at the right time. The, the game is expanding. It feels like every kid grows up wanting to play basketball rather than, you know, when it was hockey. Right. I don't have any stats to back that up, but I see the amount of basketball that's going on everywhere. You know, there's tons of prep leagues now. There's tons of tournaments. Any weekend, any day, you can go find games. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's expanded rapidly. And, yeah, just a, a lot of luck in terms of, of the timing. What, uh, you know, what are some of the major factors, in your opinion, just for the, the talent explosion? I know we have, you know, the accessibility. You've kind of hinted at that. Is there there's just so much more of it now? But if you go back, say, even a 10, 15 year period, you know, what have been some of the major factors, in your opinion, just for this, this growth and this depth that we have in Canada? Yeah, I mean, you got to attribute a lot to the Raptors, something right. to look forward to. And obviously, every kid grows up being a Raptor fan, I'm sure, just like they grow up being a Leaf fan, playing hockey and whatever. Um, and it's really just built on itself, right? Like, High school basketball grew, and and there just happened to be some NBA players, let's say, right? And yeah, obviously, a lot of things had to go right for that. There was an AAU team that would take them to the states where they would get noticed. There was development that started, and I think people have seen the level of of talent and 
potential business opportunities also like countrywide. Right. right. And everybody's trying to capitalize on, um, on the growth of the game and the players. And it just, it just continues to expand, you know, and so, someone like me, and then, you know, in five years, there'll be 10 of me, maybe like, you know, so it, it's just, it's grown on itself. And um, as it has, the number of NBA players and the number number of elite talent has continued to grow. So obviously it's just going in that direction and it's going to keep doing that. I think, you know, to the point where maybe we have 50 NBA players. I mean, hopefully, you know, down the road, you know, we can challenge the Americans in terms of some depth, not right. in terms of the top few guys. So, you know, as that continues to go and, and another interesting thing in terms of that top tier of talent is, um, a lot of players from Africa are able to come here and they're not able to go to the U S right. So they can come here and develop and potentially be, you know, superstars out of this scene um, versus there. So in all ways, it's continuing to grow here. How, uh, you know, your grind specifically, I know you put in a lot of hours, you know, you're a gym rat, you're on the road a lot. Um, you know, you got to generate reports. You got to obviously see a ton of games, you know, how, difficult is it for you to just stay really consistent and, and honest and, and deliver like is that i know you love what you're doing but just just speak to like people will see someone in your situation or maybe a coach or a, a broadcaster and they say yeah great great uh, life they have and what a cool thing but they don't recognize the grind that is can you just kind of speak to that a little bit yeah, I mean, I'm pretty exhausted right now, to be honest. Right, we're at right. the end of the year, and um, and I'm I'm ready to go on vacation with my family. Actually, uh, at the end of the week, um, cool. but it's uh, look, it's not glamorous like people think. That's why that first day in the life on my YouTube channel um, was, or why that was the topic. Um, and right. I think I'm going to do more of them so people can see. I mean. Friday, I I, sl- I drove to Fort Erie. I went to a bunch of games after going to a bunch of games the day before. I think four games the day before in Hamilton. Um, I go to all these games. I I was up late night talking to a number of coaches. Slept on a couch. Went the next day. You know, went to a bunch of games the next day. Then went to another location in Burlington. Uh, then get you know I get home late. And I'm exhausted. And I'm hungry. And you know I almost I mean during the car ride I was I was dead. You know right. so. Um, so it's, yeah, it's look, I, I, I love doing it. I love going to find talent, but at times there are games that you don't want to go to, but that's when it becomes a job, right? You know, and it's, it's hard to reason with myself not to go to a game ever. Um, but it's, it's difficult staying on top of like, for example, you know, today I had to, I had one day off yesterday. Um, and then I had to, you know, I had to look over some of my YouTube stuff, but I had for the most part the day off and then I have to wake up and write and finish my report, send it out to, you know, all my clients and sometimes edit it for who it is, whether you're an NBA team or a U sport team, you're going to get a much different report. Right. Um, so it's pretty taxing to stay on top of it all. Um, part of that is the pressure again that I put on myself, which is too much. Um, but, um, I love it and uh, I wouldn't ask to be anywhere else. So, um, it's good. <laughs> and then you jumped on Canada hoops Monday afternoon. So we appreciate yeah. that much love for that. Um, you know, we talk about the players and their development and I've heard you say, you know, when you scout and evaluate, like the players are doing a lot of the work and that 
that's obvious. What about the coaching talent in this country and the growth in that? Uh, the players, um, you know, they're growing more and more. But what about, you know, the coaches and, and what they've done for the game here as well? Yeah, I mean, the, it's 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 been part of the growth of, of, of basketball in general, right? And some part of the reason that the players make it, a lot of the reason is because they have good coaching from a young age, right? right? And like I talk about that self-awareness stuff, I think players need those coaches to um, instill those things into players, right? Uh, a 12-year-old kid doesn't know what a good shot is, right? right. They take a 30-foot pull-up three or they take a step-back jumper five seconds into the shot clock. They don't know that's a bad shot, right? They just, and they, let's say they make it too. They think that was a good shot because they made it. Right. The coach say, hey, look, you know, even if you're the star of the team, this is a good shot. This is a bad shot. And that has been obviously a big reason that, um, that, um, that so many Canadians have made the NBA and have gone to high levels of, of college and wh- wherever it is. I mean, the, the coaching is fantastic at every level, um, whether it's uh, in the prep scene, there's, there's tons of guys at AU. There's tons of guys. I mean, you just look at the development, and it's obvious. Um, and U Sport, NCAA, there's some Canadians there, um, and then the NBA too. I mean, you've got a guy like Nate Mitchell with the Raptors, right? So um, that that has just like everything else that has continued to grow, and I think there will probably be a lot more coaches moving forward that end up making it to those high levels. Yeah. Um- with respect to the players, you know, I think our, our listeners are going to want to maybe get a, a little insight from you. You know, who is the next can't-miss player out of Canada, you know, whose talent trajectory is, you know, going to make them a stud at that pro level, perhaps a player that, you know, the Canadian basketball community and supporters should be really excited about to, you know, see on the senior national team one day, who's a guy you just think is just going just gonna to do it. Yeah, there, well, there's two guys in this class, luckily, that are special. Right. Uh, one I posted about on my YouTube channel, um, Shaden Sharp. Shaden's a 6'5 shooting guard. He's just left for uh, Kentucky. Um, he's the best athlete or one of the best athletes ever in Canadian basketball. I don't want to say he's better than Andrew Wiggins, who has you know a bigger, stronger body, I would say. But right. Um, Shaden, you know, by all accounts, was the best prospect at um, EYBL, Nike's summer circuit, um, which generally has the top talent in high school um, anywhere. Um, uh, a really skilled three-level scorer that can get it done with or without the ball, um, really creates his own shot well, picture-perfect shooting form. Um, you know, he, he really put it together early on. He was... He was much more of a role guy and he's developed that killer mentality now. Um, and so there, for a guy like him, you know, I compared him to Bradley Beal in my video. I think that's a pretty fair assessment in terms of his skill level, his cerebralness and reading defenders feet and ability to counter and create his own shot. Um, and, and he's a guy that I think will be able to score and help the team win as a score, which is very rare um, because he, he moves so well without the ball. He can already spot up extremely well as a shooter. There's just so many roles that he fits in. And again, he's a guy that can score without really needing all those touches. Um, he's a guy, you know, obviously going to Kentucky. That's as big as it gets in college. Um, and he's a potential projected number one pick in 2023. Um, so he's a freak athlete. Uh, you know, your prototypical shooting guard, 
you don't find many guys like that. And, and to me, shooting guards were always the most important position as a guy that's relied on really to score and play make at the highest levels to help your team win. Um, you know, Kobe, MJ, Harden, Wade. Right. Um, and then next, Leonard Miller, uh, a 6'10 guard at Fort Erie International here, uh, hour and a half outside Toronto. Um, really put it all together recently, which is incredible. Did play for the 16s national team, but in a very minute bench role. Um, but now suddenly he's shown up on the other end of a few injuries with a 6'10 frame, quick twitch athleticism, elite shot making ability and shot creation ability. Very impressive vision. I mean, I wouldn't call him a point guard, but he will make the right play when it's there. You know, and he needs to refine his his decision making, his shot selection, and his defense a little. But I've seen all the best prospects in the states, and you do not find six ten dudes with quick twitch athleticism, with a handle and vision and skill. Um, so I think both of those guys will be good, if not great, NBA players, and will both potentially be starters on the national team. Man, great insight. We appreciate that. Um... Can we just jump to a couple guys in college who, uh, you know, represent Canada and uh, are having great seasons? I'm talking about Zach Eady. Uh, you know, he almost was running with the senior men's team this summer in Victoria. Uh, they shipped him to the U19 team. And then Benedict Matherin uh, with Arizona. But uh, what's your take on those guys? Uh, what kind of season do they need to finish with uh, in terms of, you know, pro looks? Yeah, well, Matt Turin's going to be a first-round pick and right. probably going to be a lottery pick no matter what, as long as you know things go relatively close to how it's gone so far. I mean, Matt Turin's put up 24-plus points over his last three games, including 30 points at Illinois on you know efficient shooting. Um, Matt Turin, like awesome body, as good of a body as it gets, you right. know, strong, good size, good athleticism, already has three and deep, not potential already can play the three and D role um, and has potential to be much more, you know, when he was at the NBA Academy in Mexico, he played as the primary ball handler and he's got to improve his handle still, but his ability to score now efficiently within the offense plus defend on the other end and, and be switchable as well um, and make shots. I mean, there's no limit to how good that kid can be as long as his hands and handle can get where it needs to go. Um, one scout the other day told me he could go as high as six at this point, and we'll see if that stock continues to rise. Um, another, you know, almost anomaly, Zach Eddy, 7'3", um, you know, really good hands in touch. If he seals you deep, it's over. Right. Pretty creative as a finisher. Um, you know, the the angle that he finishes at is so high, and with that touch, it's it's really hard for anyone to stop him. Um, the, the issue for him is going to be, you know, defensively doesn't, you know, change directions the best, or if you bring him away from the rim, you know, he might struggle, but again, he's seven, three, which is tall enough that he's a, you know, he's a unicorn. He's a, such a, a rare one-off, um, that maybe it's worth a shot. Even if we don't think right now, he's going to be able to guard anyone. Um, and, and he's taken such a rapid rise from when I, you know, when I watched him in grade 10 
or 11, whatever, you know, whenever he started really getting into basketball um, versus now um, physically, athletically, uh, his, his gifts. I mean, it used to take him a while to just bring the ball low to high. And now you can see he's pretty fluid in his movements. Um, the real issue is just going to be on the defensive end. And, you know, I think he protects the rim fine once, you know, if he stays at home, but you know, the second you drag him away, he's, he's, he might struggle at least for now. So I think that's the big question mark to me. He's a late first round pick because um, he's so unique um, and, and his rise has been so rapid that I expect him to continue to get better and refine his body and we'll see what he can become. Um, but he's a guy, you know, usually I'm looking for that baseline and, you know, what I talked about before, the two-way ability. We don't really know if we can rely on him, what he's going to be exactly, but right. his offensive tools uh, and his size are, are extremely intriguing and I think I think should get him drafted this year. Yeah, is there a guy that uh, Canadians got to keep uh, on their radar? Maybe that player themselves is a little uh, unnoticed right now, That, but you think his stock's going to rise and... Um, you know, not necessarily maybe go this year, but uh, in the following years, a guy we need to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, there's a number of guys I have to think. I mean, in terms of of, of high school guys, which uh, you know I'm most most used to seeing. I right. mean, there's there's a few guys like like Elijah Fisher, obviously, who's coming up, who could undergoing in 22, and and another teammate of his, Zayden Cross, who was spectacular this past weekend. Uh, he's a six seven shooting guard that really showed point guard skills, playmaking out of a ball screen to go along with his already really impressive three-level scoring ability. Um, so those are some sleepers. You know, I, I really wish we would get more love and eyes on the high school prep scene and the level of talent as it comes out. You know, people just see them in college and, right, they start getting on on the bandwagon. Um, yeah. But um, there is a lot of talent coming up. You know, I, th- I think in terms of the draft, I think it's going to be – uh, a lighter year. Um, I think Andrew Nemhard should get drafted in the second round because of his reliability as a pick and roll guy that can, you know, run your offense and, and he, you know, he is who he is. It's, 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 you know, you could trust him out there um, as a decision maker. Um, but I think uh, Matron and Eddie are those top two guys. And the interesting thing is that, you know, uh, uh, Sharp and Leonard Miller are eligible. I believe both of them for the 2022 draft. So if they were to ever consider doing that, um, they would be guys to keep an eye on. And I'm going to try to keep providing coverage of those types of guys because you never know. And and they're such a high-level talent that it's just it would be hard for NBA teams to pass up on them. Well, as a guy, you know, I've been hooked on the national team in a program going back, you know, probably 21 years now. And just to see this depth and talent over that time, you know, it, I just get super excited when, you know, a guy like yourself, you know, shows us these players, you know, we don't always get access to a lot of them. Uh, I think the community is really excited to see where a lot of these guys are going to go in the next five years with their career to hopefully play for Canada. Um, you know, I appreciate, you know, your outlook on them and, and what you provide. Uh, Wes, I, I prepped you for this question. We always like to ask everybody, you got a top five of all time for Canada basketball? Well, I think you could do it in tiers. I mean, number one, you have Nash, right? right. And um, I never thought I'd see a point guard better than Nash because his 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 way of drawing two defenders and making the right play 
I mean, well, we'll never see, I don't think, I don't know if my life I'll ever see a point guard with that playmaking ability. I mean, and then, you know, two years later, Steph Curry comes along and, you know, maybe is a better point guard, but, you know, right. it's not the level of passer. Um, so one has to be Nash. Um, I would say in the next tier, and look, I'm too young to know about the older generations, and I'm sure there were guys who were, um, who changed the game and, you know, whose buy-in was probably necessary to get, you know, basketball on a, you know, nationwide scale. Um, I would say the two stars today in today's NBA, you know, which is um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Jamal Murray, yeah. I would say they're probably two and three. And then I think there's a huge crop of guys next, right? There's tons of role players that are really, really good. I mean, I'd have to think long and hard about where to put a lot of these guys. I mean, Dylan Brooks, two-way ability, puts up really good numbers in the league. Andrew Wiggins, obviously. Lou Dort, let's see what he can become. Right. Um, you know, the guys in the past who have been primary guys for the team haven't been real NBA players, right. you know? Um, so you have to really look at a lot of these guys and see who's going to turn into that that next guy. But, you know, some of the guys that I've talked about have that potential to be one of those those top guys of all time, like probably Corey, Corey Joseph, you can put in that conversation and Tristan Thompson, yeah. again, really reliable role guys that because of their impact over time in their name, you know, would be considered probably in that top five. But um, I think moving forward uh, uh, as we get more and more stars, I think that's going to, you know, there those guys will end up being in, in the top five because we no longer look for, a role guy or a long, you know, 10 year NBA career being, uh, a, you know, an all time great Canadian, we're going to look at, you know, an NBA star or superstar being an all time great Canadian. So, um, and in general, you know, you hear based on my analysis, there haven't been enough star level guys that are Canadian, you know, and for whatever reason, I don't think there's anything to it other than that, you know, they just haven't come along yet. Um, but I think those guys are coming. Yeah, well put. I, I always like asking that question. I mean, Steve gets a, a ton of mention. He's pretty much in everybody's five. But uh, this newer crop, I like how you've added that. I mean, like Jamal's a, he's an alpha dog, man. We need that guy. And, uh, you know, same with SGA. Those guys uh, are, sur- are superstars, right? And they're going to pull the program and bring other guys in. And I think they got the potential to be all-time greats, like you said, man. Yeah. Um, Wes, any shout outs? Thank you, man. Before I get you out of here, we appreciate your time, man. Yeah, just just check out uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash West Brown Scouting, my Instagram, West B Brown, and my Twitter at West Blair Brown. Very simple. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us, man. Much love to you. Always be a friend of the podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we look forward to more analysis uh, covering our Hoopers, man. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate it, buddy. You bet. That does it for another episode of Canada Hoops. I want to thank Canada's basketball scout, Wes Brown, for pulling up. Thank you for listening. Continue to like and share us. Keep spreading love for Canadian basketball. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.